It's encouraging because a lot of people don't realize this. Sometimes you see the lights or you see the stage, and you don't realize how many people are behind the scenes making this all happen. And um, all those guys are back there, as well as so many others. And there's so many other young men and even girls who would come out and hoop with us. And you're out in the crowd. We've got people that not necessarily got called into vocational ministry, but were part of our youth ministry years and still part of our youth ministry are faithfully serving right out there. I can't mention all the names on top of all the leaders who would come out and play. Many hamstrings and ACLs torn in the name of Jesus. It was great. And, uh, and so we're here today because we want to be thanksgivers. Paul addressed the church in Philippi. You'll notice throughout this series, I keep addressing the fact that the apostle Paul would write these different churches. If you're a little unfamiliar with scripture, you'll notice there's a lot of Ians, Thessalonians. You see Ephesians, Philippians. What are all these Ians? These are letters that Paul would write to these churches oftentimes because they were misbehaving. And in misbehaving, they were not letting their light shine. In fact, they were doing the opposite. People were looking at these churches going, why on earth would I want to be part of something like that? And so Paul's trying to say, hey, church, make my joy complete. There is nothing that makes a mom or dad more happy than to see their children getting along together. Paul's saying as their spiritual father, oh, make my joy complete. We taught a little acronym last week, joy. J-O-Y, Jesus, others, you. It's not original to us, but it's an acronym we can simply remember to say, hey, that's the priority scale. Jesus is first, so what he says goes. Others are who he wishes us to focus on, and then we come last, but if we come into church or we gather together and it's about me and it's about what I like and it's about my preference and what I wanna do, what happens is that together, is broken apart. And so this was really happening specifically in church in Corinth. Corinth was really struggling with an issue regarding gifts. And they were not thankful for the gift God had given them. In fact, it was the opposite. They were wishing they had someone else's gift. By the way, I noticed Mike left me a gift here. I'm wondering what that is. It's a little nerve wracking because it's not the basketball. We'll open that up at some point. But they were arguing over gifts. There's many different gifts. Kids, kids, do you like getting gifts? And you see the gift, and you're like, ooh, what's in it? And when mom and dad are sleeping, no, 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 you don't do this. I'm gonna, you you kind of go, oh, I know what that is. I know there's certain shoes boxes size where my kids were like, ooh, I got some shoes. I'm like, man, I got to start shaking it up. And see, when you're younger, you look at gifts and you go, I want the biggest one. But when you get older, you realize... It's the smallest ones that got the most in them, right? Gift cards and all sorts of neat stuff. And you start looking at these gifts. Oh, there are so many gifts on the stage. And that was also true in the church of Corinth. But the gift was talking about someone's skill set. Have you ever heard someone referred to as gifted? Hey, that person's really gifted. Some of you are touching your neighbor. I guess me right there is gifted. I, I wasn't. Okay, I was never accused of being gifted, but I got to college and got placed in a room with a valedictorian. Oh, he was disgusting. Oh, you thought I was gonna say something nice. If he's watching today, he lives out in Chicago. He drove me nuts. It was disgusting because he was gifted with this photographic memory. Oh my word, he could remember the board. I love him to death. He's a super guy. 
but I remember studying and sitting in those big audions, you know, where you're like an elevated seating, much like the stadium seating, and, and you're sitting there, all right, and he'd be looking up front where the, now, now, young people, we used to have these things called blackboards before smart boards, like we had blackboards, okay? So he'd be looking up at the blackboard, and there'd be, and I'd see him. He would remember where the professor had written it or diagrammed it. On top of that, he would remember his notebook. And so I'd be sweating out the test. I'd look over him and I'd see him like, like looking at the board. I'm like, you, he's reading that. And he'd get nothing but A's. He didn't have to really work hard at all. School was so easy. He was always like, what's your problem, everyone? Just memorize what the teacher says. He would say, I have to really listen in class though. That's how I can leverage my gift. I can't do it unless I'm really listening and watching. And I'll tell you what, I was so happy for him. (laughs) Anybody in here ever get jealous of someone else's gift package? No, we're talking about other people, right? Where you're tempted to want to just be mean to them only because they have a gift that you don't. Anybody ever have a gift and you kind of went out of your way to rub it in people's faces? (laughs) Practice? We're talking about practice? Some, I guess some of you all need to practice. Go out there and get 50 without practicing. Yeah, but there's this team, and it would be good if you were at practice. You see, the mindset can be on either way, and it was creeping into the church in Corinth. And Paul says, yeah, you got many gifts. He was their spiritual father, but I want you to learn something about gifts. Let's learn together. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, capital S. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there's a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Okay, okay. So the people in the church of Corinth, they all had lots of different gifts, but it was given out by the spirit or the Holy Spirit. Okay, so at the moment of salvation, Children of God are given a gift from the Holy Spirit to use in the church. All right, so we're following this. And there's a variety of them. There's lots of different ones. Everybody doesn't do the same thing. But each one was given a gift that's kind of a manifestation of the Spirit. Whenever you say the word manifestation, you mean, oh, okay, coming to light. Something that I didn't realize, but now I realize. And it was given for the common good. Okay, so people are gifted in the church very differently so that they would do it for one another. They would use their gift for one another. Oh, he's not done. But he later says in verse 11, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. I got out my journal. I wrote down on my notes three words, ready? I have learned that everyone in the church that has accepted Jesus Christ as their savior and is part of what is often called the body of Christ, the church, They've been given many gifts, but they've been given the gifts specifically for what reason? For the common good. Individually, God has given each person that accepts him as a savior and calls himself a child of God, he's given them a gift. And intentionally, he did it just as he will. Why is that important? Because if you don't like your gift, church in Corinth, you don't have a problem with the gift. You got a problem with the giver. Huh? Yeah. It's the same Lord who gave out the gifts. 
The same one who gives out without partiality, but has a purpose, it's intentional. And he does it specifically. And he gave them out so that you would each use your gifts for one another. What were some of those gifts? Well, outside of the apostolic gifts, there were gifts like leadership, discernment, the gift of evangelism, preaching, the gift of faith and giving, the gift of hospitality, administration, the gift of mercy, the gift of teaching. And what was going on in the church of Corinth is like, wait a minute, I don't want the gift of helps. I like the gift of preaching. But you're really not gifted at preaching. Yeah, but my mom says I'm good. That, that's great. We love your mom too. I had like at least four or five followers who say I'm awesome. That, that's great. But, but you've got to trust the church at least to acknowledge your gifting. Because the worst thing you can ever do is force yourself into a gift that your church family isn't acknowledging. That's why it's so important that churches, especially with more prominent gifts that often get microphones and things like that, that make sure that the church is behind that. Because that can stir up all sorts of different struggles. And on top of that, if there's gifts that people are, are, I'd rather have leadership. Well, I'd rather have mercy. Or what if the person says, hey, I can really teach. I'm a great teacher, but I don't want to teach. I'm, I just want to help over here. Yeah, but wait a minute. You're, so, you're, you're really gifted there. I know, but I just don't want to do it. It's a lot. You know, there's a lot of stress. And, and when you teach, people give feedback. I don't really feel, I don't need that in my life. But, but you were gifted that way. Why wouldn't you use that gift? You see, not using a gift as well as using a gift can sometimes be selfish. So Paul opens up a box. Can we pull up the big board? I'm gonna go out of order a little bit. Can we pull up? I got a lot of don'ts on this side, so let's pull up 18. Could we pull up 18? It says, don't envy one another. Open the box, please. Open the box. Okay, don't envy one another. Okay, Galatians. Okay, so Paul wrote this to the church in Galatia. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Did you know that was one another? One of the things the church is not to do is to provoke or envy. Why? Because it's a manifestation, if we're staying on that word, of being arrogant. Well, you know, um, I probably the person for the job is not the goal. Well, I heard some people have to work on their lesson all week. Just give me a book. I'll speak. What are you doing? Well, clearly, clearly I should be leading this song. Slide over. Or the opposite. They think they're so awesome. Oh, let's come listen to them. Oh my goodness. Oh my word. Them again. Oh, Oh, I can't. Oh, can you believe how they do that? I know, right? I know. I'm like, I'm never going back if that's okay. I mean, that guy didn't even shake my hand. And some people looking in from the outside go, I just thought that was church culture. No, that's just people. This world's no different. I can walk out my door any day and find discouragement. It's really easy in this place. In fact, I don't have to open the door. All I have to do is open an app and I can find discouragement. I can also find people touting and provoking as well as envying and being upset. Young people, you know Jesus says, don't waste your life wanting to be somebody else. I love how I made you and I love how you fit together and I want you to find what your purpose is. And you know what the devil wants? Isn't it unbelievable that you didn't get that and they did? I mean, that, what kind of God would do that? And there's this battle. 
and there's this battle in our minds. And so Paul goes, guys, guys, we're all off and we're envying one another. And so he has to open up box 14. You go, oh no, not box 14. Yeah, he does. We got to open up, but we got to open up box 14. Here it is. Admonish one another. Oh, I don't like getting admonished. Admonish means correct or instruct. And, and so how are we to admonish? Well, I know how my dad admonishes. I know how my mom, I know how my grandpa always admonished. It was more like, get out of here. This is the adult room or something like that. I don't know what you're admonished. When you hear that word, you're like, oh boy. But, but, but watch what scripture says. Open the box, please. He's speaking to the church in Colossians or Coloss. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Let your opinion and your annoyance dwell in you. No, no. Let your anger and frustration dwell well up in you while you go in. No, no. Let the word of God of Christ dwell in you richly. May you keep in mind all the one another's. Stir up one another. Encourage one another. Bear with one another. Serve one another. Love one another. You let all that stuff in you richly when you admonish. Why? Because nobody's going to listen unless it's done through grace. When have you ever been motivated by guilt? You've been shamed, and it may have manipulated you and worked, but when have you truly been inspired to make a change in your life unless it was through grace and treatment you couldn't believe you were getting? That's the idea. And so Paul comes to them with the word of God dwelling richly, and he says, yo, just like you, just like you, were gifted with many gifts, but it was one spirit. You were also many members, but one body. It's later in 1 Corinthians, and it's chapter 12, and he begins to tell them about what it's like to be many members, but one body. Listen to this, listen to this. This is kind of strange language. You're like, where's he going with this, all right? For the body does not consist of one member, but many. What, what are we talking about? Okay, my, my physical body, it doesn't have one member. Okay, there's legs, there's arms. Okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. Um, so the body now, speaking metaphorically of the body of Christ, okay? The body of Christ, okay, or my body, as the illustration, does not consist of one member, but many. So if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Well, if I'm not a hand around here and I'm not, sorry, I'm not part of this place. No, 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 you're still part of it. He continues and he's got more, more it's, like, it's like Corinth had foot, hand and mouth disease or something. Here it is. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. Paul goes, church, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Can you picture an eye going down the street? That's odd, that's odd. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? So Paul's beginning to speak to logic. Think about it. And then he drops this nugget of wisdom. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. And if all were a single member, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many parts, but one 
body. How can I illustrate this? I was thinking like ways that like make this visible. Because sometimes it's like, what is this odd language? Where body, lots of parts, God put them together. What would illustrate that? Hmm. Hey, I forgot about this gift Mike gave me. I'm gonna tear this open real quick. I wonder what's in it. So yeah, it, it, what would an illustration be of, you know, one body, many parts, and God putting it together? And if you put it together wrong, it'd be weird. I gotta think of an illustration. What, what do you know? I think I got one. I think I got one. How many remember Mr. Potato Head? If, if, if the whole body were the feet, what would that look like? Well, that's ridiculous. We don't really have much to work with there. If the whole body were just the body, would that work? But no, if I don't have the feet, I mean, we're going to fall over. So you feet are very important. And so I'm looking at scripture and I'm noticing that God arranged the members of the body. I'm picturing this. He arranged the members of the body intentionally. Each one of them, each one of them individually. You picture the master creator putting this all together. And, and, and he placed them just as he chose. Not as he chose. And, and that is the illustration that Paul's trying to use respect how hard Mr. Potato is, is, by the way, right? Young parents out there, if you get this for Christmas, this is difficult. All right, we get the ears, all right, and he's putting it together just as he chose. And so I'm seeing an illustration here that Paul's trying to say, each one of you have tremendous value. If the hand says, well, I wanna be up here, I wanna be up here. Yeah, but that's not what I designed you for. Yeah, but it looks great, it looks great. My mom says it looks great. I know your mom, we love you, but... But that's not how God put this together. He wants you working together and appreciating each part. How many of you ever have had an injury or a disease or a deformity or a difficulty where you've learned to appreciate something more or even tempted to be envious of one who had something you didn't. We all understand this illustration from the form of appreciation as well from the form of empathy. But the illustration is clear that God has put them together, all of us together for a reason. Why? Let's open up a box. Pull up the big board. And can we have box 15? Serve one another. That's what we've been called to do. Can we open up the box? I want to read the verse. Okay, to the church in Galatia. Okay, serve one another. For you are called to freedom, brothers. I mean, you can do different things. There are many different churches and many different philosophies of how to do church. If there's a church of 4,000, that's very different than a church of 100. It's a different family. They might be able to accomplish certain things that one family might not. One family, it might be very difficult to make everyone feel involved. In another family, everyone's involved and they'd like a little bit of a break. There's different dynamics and there were different churches and Paul understood that. 
And so now he's saying, look, whatever you're gifted at, especially whether you're in the church universal, that's all Christians everywhere, including other countries, or in the local expression, for example, like Fifth Street, each church, God is woven together in certain ways, and it's partly part of the job of the pastoral leadership, as well as the ministry leaders, to leverage the church's gift package. Our church is incredibly musically gifted. You're gonna find that out on Christmas Eve. Our church is incredibly athletic. You didn't see that on stage per se, but our church has an incredible footprint in athletics. We have incredible wrestlers in this church. We got incredible basketball players. We have a couple professional baseball players. We have a couple unbelievable athletes. We've got a couple softball players. You wouldn't believe we got swimmers. We got all that. We also have incredible musicians. We also have incredible artists. We also have incredible businessmen and women who are just unbelievable at creating opportunities for people. We have incredible financial people who are just so gifted with generosity. We are just filled with that. In fact, it's truly humbling to preach to this place called Renew Bible because of the incredible gift package that God has given this place. But may we not fight over what part we are, but instead realize we all play a role together. Let me put Mr. Potato Head over here for now. So, Paul says, listen, the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, what? What? We're about to get taught something. Here's how God sets this up. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker, they're actually indispensable. What? Yeah, yeah, there's aspects to the church that these people who might seem to be weaker in the world's eyes, they're indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts that are treated with greater modesty, we, which our more presentable parts do not require, we do the same. So, so there's parts of the body that might not ever get noticed if it weren't for the fact that they were a part of a church family where other people are noticed. Yeah, it kind of goes together. But God, he says, has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, so that there would be no divisions in the body, but that the members may have the, and we got another one another. What, what, what? Uh, box 16, please. Same care. All right, so let's put it in context. God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. You mean to tell me that one of the greatest things a church family can do is to have the same care for one another despite their gift package, despite their impact, despite what they might bring to the table? Yes, in fact, God has so designed it that he wants the church to go out of its way celebrating those who might even be a little bit lesser in the world's eyes. So what's he asking the church to do? Stop looking at people the way the world does. They can't do this. Well, they can't do that. Well, how about that? Have you ever been in a toxic environment that only speaks about what people can't do? 
I find myself in those environments, I go, today is my last day in this environment. Unless God goes, nope, bear with one another. How can you spend that much time talking about everyone's weaknesses and negativity? Because I'm trying to build myself up. That's not the path to building yourself up. That's the path to loneliness, bitterness, and anger. And an absolute pity party by everyone who loves you because you can't see that you've destroyed your together. Because find me anger, find me bitterness, find me cruelty, and I will find you a life that has tremendous tension and conflict and broken relationships streaming from behind it. And God's called us to so much more church. And so many churches today, their doors may not open again because they bited, they were biting and devouring one another, as scripture said to not do. In fact, I want you to have the same care so that when you win together, everybody gets to celebrate, even those who maybe didn't play that big a role. And when you lose together, you go console one another, even if some aren't hurting as bad as others. And so that's why the same care one another carries on to the next verse of 1 Corinthians and it says this, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member's honored, I want you all to rejoice together. Hey, did you notice that one of our members is really being appreciated? Let's get behind him and support him. Hey, did you notice that one of our members is really hurting? Let's get behind her and support her. That's what the church does. And when the world sees that, they're like, aren't we supposed to be just like selfishly pursuing the American dream and go after it and get mine and just do it and make sure and save up and be this? And yeah, and that's why the world is full of anxiety at epidemic levels because it spends all of its time. And don't we all fall into the trap? Of course we do. I know I fall into that trap and I have to be grounded with the word of God. And I need admonished at times like Paul to say, hey, the goal when you are together is to stay together. You can open your soup kitchens. You can start other campuses. You can go minister down the middle of the street with your block parties. But I want you to be together. You can sing anywhere. But I know your heart's. And I don't want lip service. I want my kids to be together. Scripture says to God, there's no greater joy than to see his children together. Any coaches in the room of youth sports? It's just a wonderful time period of life. It really is. It's also, it's also a wonderful time period of life. It's both. I had the privilege for many years to, to coach, uh, assistant coach, um, a baseball team and um, Boy, we had some players on that team. Oh, it was fun. And we had a cast of characters. It was all over the map. We had a couple really high talent, high, high projectability guys. And we had some guys where, you know, really good kids. Any coach knows what I'm talking about when I say that. You know what? Good family. Good family. Good kid. We'll try to give them some playing time. And then you had other kids. Okay, they were late developers. Oh man, they're going to be so good one day, but right now they're having a little bit of difficulty. And you put together your roster, okay? And you put together this roster and you develop this roster, especially when you're playing at the travel level and you're putting together these rosters from different people that put it all together. And there were so many unbelievable politics just to that. 
but you put your rosters together and finally come up with them. And everybody loves roster day. They love roster day. Even the athletes, oh man, I got my jersey. They put their jersey on. They wear it to school. They wear it everywhere. You know, they got their jersey. But then game one comes, all right? And you were all practicing together. And then the coach goes, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Leading off. And they call out names and you watch the room. He's, he's leading off? Man, I really thought I earned it. All right, batting second. Oh, okay, he's batting second, okay. Batting third. It's probably because his dad's the coach. That's why he's batting third. I mean, you would just see all these different dynamics, and boy, we had to navigate a ton of it. But for the baseball roster, you're going, okay, I want, I want, to, get, I want to get on base. We want to get speed on the bags. We want to get moving. Contact hitter in the two-hole. Three-hole hitter. All right, he's never going to see a fastball. It's going to be all speed. He's got to be able to hit it. Slugger at four. Let's go. Hit, hit five is my most clutch player. He comes through in RBI spots. And then six, I want to restart the lineup. Or I'm just trying to fill that roster up with my, some of my best defenders and guys who really earn in price. So you think through all these roster dynamics so specifically, and you're trying your best, especially if you're a good coach, to put every kid in a position position to win. And it doesn't always happen. And sometimes you home, go home crying. And I remember watching this eight-year-old group go home crying, nine years old, go home crying, 10 years old. There were times we'd go home crying. When they were 15 and 16, that group of boys, they stayed together and they didn't always get along, nor did the dads, believe it or not, or moms, Okay. Uh, we're going to this league, we're going to all those different dynamics, but they stayed together in their 15, 16-year-old year. They went to the state playoff in Du Bois, and they won a championship. And I got to sit around them in that huddle. And we talked about how we came together for those two weeks and the incredible privilege it was to see it happen. And I wouldn't sit here and say, oh, and we stayed together. We all went different directions. But that two weeks was one of the neatest experiences that I've ever experienced. And I remember thinking, it wasn't really the win. It wasn't really the jumping around, although all those things were fun. It was watching everyone sacrifice, everyone pulling for one another. That hadn't happened all year at times. To just accomplish a goal. And now that was a sports illustration. But I often think, about our heavenly father. He's put a roster together in the church. And as he's put that roster together, he did it intentionally, individually, and specifically. And that's why this last one another is so important. Box 17, please. Box 17. Submit to one another. What does it mean? Open the box. Open the box. To the church in Ephesus. Paul wrote, submit to one another out of reverence for who? Them, because they're awesome. Nope, nope, nope. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. All right, submit, fulfill your role, operate in your gift package out of, because I desert, no, because they desert, no, out of respect for who put the roster together, Jesus Christ. See, when I operate in my gift package, I am worshiping Jesus when I am forcing myself out of my gift package, I'm not submitting to my coach. I'm wanting to be something that he hasn't designed me to be. And if I refuse to use my gift, I'm also not submitting to my coach because my coach gave me that gift to use it. And I'm being selfish if I don't. 
Paul said, there's some of you who the world will look at and they'll say, they're kind of weaker. I mean, their age, they can barely walk anymore. You pretty much need to focus on other people, they might say. Or, hey, look at their ability. They can't do that. What if you could find a spot? We got a senior saint group here that maybe they can't hoop with us anymore, although some of them would try. But they outpray all of us, amen? And they use what the world would say is weaker. I have no idea that maybe some of the massive strength of Renew Bible is actually our weaker spots that the world would say are on their knees praying for those who are the out front lines. Oh, there's some that might be weaker, but I would tell you this to somebody who might feel like, I got the gift of mercy or something, and that's great, but I was really hoping for a gift that everybody would see. I would say this, this, this. Hey, recognize other people's gifts, but hey, rest in your gift. Don't let the enemy win in your life by tempting you to want to live someone else's life. Go to someone you love, someone you respect, and say, hey, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. What do you think my gifting is? recognize someone's gift. Hey, good job, man. I love it. I love it. Pastor Chris, that's great. God gives you what preaching. That's not me. So I can recognize that and you go, but I'm going to rest in mine. You should see Pastor Chris lead a small group. It's horrible. Everybody's like, would you stop talking so we could share with one another? That's not my gift baggage. I really struggle in that environment. We all have different areas. We struggle. Recognize others' gifts. Rest in yours. Teenagers, social media, you can recognize other people, but rest in what you are and what God has given you to work with and watch it come to life. Hey, for those, for those who maybe you're not either, I don't feel like I'm necessarily not noticed or, or, or overly praised, support would be my command for you, or encouragement, I should say. Support others' gifts, but serve in yours. Support other people's gifts, but serve in yours. Pastor Doug's one of my, one of my heroes, all right? And uh, for many of you, he's other, he goes, Chris, I'm your right tackle. I mean, I don't wanna let you get hit from the blind spot. He serves, and there's something so awesome about being an armor bearer. Have you ever had a chance? I told you I was the assistant coach of those teams. I got to be the armor bearer for the coach. That is a cool leadership role to kind of encourage the point person as they take blow after blow after blow. And to stay with them and to stick with them. Support someone's gift, but serve in yours. And then finally, maybe you have a highly visible gift. Maybe you have a gift and everybody recognizes it. Maybe your author or God has blessed you with a bunch of incredible impact, okay? And that's awesome. Go out of your way to appreciate the other people's gifts who are enabling you to rejoice in your gift. And when you have a more prominent gift, whether you're a teacher out there that has to be up front, whether you're a coach or whatever, you are gonna take blows. It is gonna hurt. It can really stink sometimes being the person everyone's taking critical shots at. But that doesn't mean you should give up. And you watch, God's gonna send you people along the way who know when to encourage you and how to encourage you so that you don't stop because of all the weapons that come from highly visible positions but let me encourage the highly visible. Go out of your way to celebrate those who help you win. A lot of people see the stage, lights and the different things, 
but they don't realize there's over 50 to 60 people right now that are making this ministry happen. From production, to the worship teams, to sitting on the floor in the nursery, to two rooms that are full of prayer partners right now that pray through our entire sermons, from middle school classes that are going on right now, to the various people that help in the parking lot as you leave, as well as the security teams, as well as the host teams that make this happen. And we ought to go out of our way to celebrate those who are backstage making it happen. And that's what I wanted to do today. Because sometimes what's really cool is the highly visible gifts give sometimes what the world sees as a smaller gift, um, opportunities to win. Do you remember the name Steve Kerr? Excuse me, say, remember the name? I'm a basketball person, right? You remember the name? Steve Kerr hit a shot one time to end a finals game. The end of the game was there and the coach was calling a play and Jordan, you might've heard of that guy, Michael Jordan. Um, he said, uh, all right, they're all gonna come to me. I'm gonna kick it to Steve. And Steve tells a story. Everybody looked at Steve and Michael goes, hit the shot. No pressure. Yeah, right. Um, you don't get to that level if you can't handle pressure, right? So they run the play. Jordan kicks it out to Steve and he nails the three. Now, if you know their history, they didn't always get along those two. One became an incredible, incredible coach, and that's Steve. But what I remember about his career growing up, a kid watching the Chicago Bulls, is after a post game, he said, he looked down at the scoreboard, he looked at the roster, he goes, whoa, Michael and I combined for 72 points tonight. That was the night Jordan scored his 69th point game. <laughs> Steve had three. But he recognized that. But it was cool that Michael recognized Steve by saying, I need you to hit this shot. And they got to experience something together. I want you to ask yourself as we leave today, and we just ponder this, where are you being called to work together, serve together? Is it a workplace? Where are you maybe a highly visible person? Maybe not at church, but at your job, you're the boss. Maybe not at church, but at home, you're mom. Where could you go out of your way to appreciate the people who make things happen for you? It's one of our roles. Dad, if anybody needs to be sharing at Christmas time when you get together, how you appreciate everyone, it's you. Stop them for a minute. Hey, everybody, listen up. Dad just wants to say a few things. You'll blow them away but you might just heal a relationship. Kids, mom is gonna be going crazy getting everything ready. She just has this Christmas card hallmark idea. Just take the picture. Just take the picture. Just get in line. One of you stand there and go, and, and mom's gonna be like, oh, okay. Don't fight. When we do simple things like these, the love of Jesus comes through, and I want to promise you somebody's taking notice. I was 17, but that guy said, hey, tonight, after youth group, let's shoot, okay? And the following week, he said, hey, tonight after youth group, we hooping? Yeah, can I, can I bring my buddy? Yeah, all right. And then the next night, and the next night, and 20-some years later, there's guys still hooping on this court. And there's still people playing here at this church. 
And those together dynamics don't happen unless we forgive each other, we forbear with each other, and we don't quit on each other when we don't always act well. I will not always do something great. And this church, you'll have to forgive me. It'll go both ways. But when the world sees a church that offers that kind of love, they take notice and they go, hey, maybe this Jesus that was born in Bethlehem, maybe there's something to this story I gotta think through. If you're here today, I would encourage you. This church is imperfect. I should put a sign up, no perfect people allowed. But one thing we try to do is we try to love one another. Heavenly Father, use today's message to encourage us in whatever situation of life we're in to better represent Jesus. The world's watching, people are watching, children are watching, leaders are watching. And sometimes that's not a motivation. But what is a motivation is that Jesus lived all these things out for me. For while I was yet a sinner, Jesus died for me. He didn't wait for me to arrive. He gave his life willingly. He gave me his word so I could be encouraged and uplifted in the darkest times. And he says, even when I'm in the darkest valley, he's with me. He did not promise this world would have no trouble. In fact, he said the opposite, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Live and love me and love one another. And when your time comes, I'll call you to be with me and I'll know you by name. And so Lord, if we're here, we have a purpose. If we have a pulse, we've got a purpose. And may our purpose be living for Jesus, others, and then you. And in doing so, maybe we'll just show the world what a win really looks like. And this we pray in Jesus' name.